Welcome to Quit Bleeping Around, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve more in life. Here's your host, Christina Eanes. Hey, Super Achievers. In this episode, I'm interviewing Craig DeVizio. Craig is on a quest to help you become a better person and does so through his books and online courses. Welcome, Craig. Thank you for joining us today. Christina, it's a pleasure to be here. I am excited. Uh, I got a job. I or I got the job, the book. Very excited about it. But before we talk about it and some tips you have for our listeners, can you share a little bit about your background? I'd be happy to. Uh, I am a professional trainer. I go into primarily, Christina, large corporations and do training workshops. I taught about 16 different topics. Uh, I started out, uh, my background's in psychology and counseling. I started out teaching college. I did that for 13 years. Then I uh, did about six years where I was a hired trainer. I was hired by two training companies. I learned their materials. They sent me out to corporations in the United States and I taught their material. A couple of those companies asked me, uh, uh, have you ever thought about starting your own business? We like your training style. What courses could you offer beyond the ones that you're delivering right now for this other company? And if so, we'd like to hire you. And so they kind of pulled me out into my own business. And so I have been doing teaching my own material now for 32 years in corporate America. I've been one of the really fortunate people, Christina, who found early on something that I believe is my gift, my talent, and something that I love to do, and fortunately enough, have been able to make a good living doing it. Oh, and you're changing lives doing it too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I love your book. I got the job. You have a lot of awesome tips in there. What What are some major ones that you think our listeners should know about? Yeah, let me first say, if I can, the title of the book, I did not come up with by myself. My students actually did that. Uh, they, uh, I've been teaching in the classroom. Uh, I've conducted literally thousands of interviews because everybody in my class has to go through a videotaped mocked interview. And uh, so as they would leave the class, they would say, thanks for the information. Then those who went out and were successful would email me back and say, Craig, thanks for the information. I got the job. Christina, almost to a person, they all said, hey, I got the job. So I thought that's like the perfect title for the book. You know, one of them I just mentioned, one of the tips in the book is I tell people, if you are not videoing your practice, you are making a huge mistake. I tell people in the classroom, I said, you have got to see and hear what interviewers see and hear. So I videotape all of their presentations and then I give them to them. And oftentimes I run into those people later on. I say, did you watch your video? And crazily enough, (laughs) they go like, no, I was I was afraid to watch it. What you know, what people are afraid to watch or why they're afraid to watch it is because they're afraid to see the mistakes that they're making. And I I would contend you absolutely need to see the mistakes you're making in your practice so that you can correct them. The other really big thing that you get from uh, watching a video of yourself practicing your answers is you also get to see the things that you're doing well. 
and you want to make sure to include those as you continue to practice. Oftentimes, a lot of people in their efforts to be the perfect uh, interviewee, what they end up doing is they they move away from things that they are doing well. And unfortunately, now they uh, gravitate to something different than is their best presentation. Yeah. Wow. Well, and nowadays, especially with so much being remote, it, it's uh, you definitely want to well practice one. So you could easily open up Zoom and start recording, right? Practice so that you know how to use your equipment and how it sounds on the other end on top of making sure that you do it in a, in a, in a night, a great way. You know, you just, you hit on another, this is a whole chapter in my book. (laughs) And, and that is uh, that, uh, you know, we were moving away from because of circumstances, the face-to-face interview. I think people will still have them, but there will certainly be a lot fewer of them as time goes on. So, you know, there's a lot of people who have only done interviews face to face and you look at their presentations on Zoom or or whatever platform they're using. And it's like they got cluttered backgrounds. Their head is in the bottom one third of the screen. They're not oh, they're not yep. dressed appropriately. They're looking at the screen, not looking at the camera. There are lots yep. of things that people have to prepare for. And I would suggest moving forward. Uh, to your to your listeners, that uh, the process, I believe, Christina, is going to be longer. It's not going to be one interview and you're hired or you're not hired. Yeah. That may happen sometimes, but I expect that you may have to fill out some type of application or form or whatever to start with. Then you're going to have to uh, do maybe uh, go online answer some questions just to a computer screen and somebody will listen to your answers later, even though you're being videoed on them. Then you may have a phone call. Then you may have a Zoom interview. And then maybe oh, yeah. you get to a, uh, a face-to-face interview. So the process is really a lot longer now. And you've got to get good using the technology because, unfortunately, that's the requirement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it also enables us to, like, you know, apply for a job five states over and, and still work it. And so we got to get on board. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, I have a question for yourself. It's for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> now, it was funny because you know, we, were, we were chatting before we started. And one of the things that I always I both love this question and I have well, I have a love hate relationship with it. But it, when people open up, uh, to tell me about yourself. So with an interview, what do you suggest is a great way to answer that? I'm so glad you asked the question, because uh, even in 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 writing the book, as I sent it to an editor, of course, she polished it up <laughs> to make me sound better, <laughs> which I really appreciated. She, in, in the initial edit, changed what I was saying. She said, and you get that softball question. And I do not believe it's a softball question. To me, a softball question, what that implies is it's an easy question. Everybody will answer it well. I I characterize the first question of the interview as the most important question in the whole interview. Uh, You are setting the tone of the whole interview with your answer to that. And most people, unfortunately, give a verbal resume. 
They will simply tell the interviewers what's on their resume. And if I'm an interviewer, I'm almost in a way insulted because I'm sorry, I got your resume. Don't tell me. I can read. Exactly. I can read it. Don't (laughs) Don't tell me something new. You're actually wasting time in the interview. So I think that an interview is uh, a little bit about what you have done in the past and what you're doing now. It is primarily about what you're going to be doing in the future. And so as people give a verbal resume, of course, your future is not on the resume. So I characterize it 20% talk about your past in that question, 30% talk about the present, and 50% talk about the future. So I may start off by saying, uh, uh, Christina, let me tell you a little bit about my background that got me here. Here's what I did in the past. Here's what I'm doing now. And then I want to get into now let me tell you about my future and possibly, hopefully, my future with you. I wouldn't use those words. I'm just using those words, describing them to you. And so now it's not a matter of can you do the job? You would not be in the interview if they had not already determined that you can do the job. So now, so, so assume that you can do the job. Assume they know you can do the job. Now it's a matter of how are you going to do the job? There are so many people out in corporate America that can do a job, but it takes a manager running around with a, a stick, you know, kind of, <laughs> kind of prodding them to get them to do the job. Just because, uh-huh. just because you can do it doesn't mean you want to do it. Doesn't mean you're motivated to do it. Doesn't mean you're excited to do it. And so you've got to talk about. You know, that this is a great job. Why is, why do I want this particular job in this company at this point in time in my career? Those are things that you also add into there. In, in your introduction, you want to talk about how you will do the job. You want to talk about your uniqueness. How are you different than other people? I always tell people you want to separate yourself from your competition as early in the interview as possible. You always want to, you know, because oftentimes if you've ever been, I I say this in my class, if you ever get the opportunity to be on an interview panel in the company that you're working for, volunteer, raise your hand, sit on the panel. You will learn so much about what it takes to be a great interviewee as you are the interviewer. And oftentimes what happens is, they may, uh, a panel of people may interview six people. And at the end of the day, three of them are really close. And, it, and the interviewers are really struggling to make a decision between them. That happens because nobody has really done a great job of separating themselves from their competition. What that sounds like is what you will see that I present uh, uh, you with today that you're probably not going to see in many other candidates is. And I give a whole Mm. long list of things in the book of ways to separate yourself. For instance, I'll use myself as an example. I have got two degrees uh, that are very soft skills, a psychology bachelor's degree and a master's in counseling. I am also a certified financial planner, which is a very analytical um, stance on life. So how does that help me if I'm in a counseling role? If I get soft-sided people, 
HR people, I can deal with them. If I get, you know, analysts, then I can deal with them. And that's a very rare combination. And so if that is applicable to the job, I would want to highlight that. And of course, there's lots of other ways that you highlight. You may have a special skill that nobody else has. You may have a very different background. And because of that, a very different perspective on doing the job than maybe somebody else does. So, so you want nice. to add all of those things. And then the other, this is so critical, Christina. Please say thank you at the beginning mm. of the answer and at the end of that answer. The reason that I tell people to build a thank you. So if you had asked me, Craig, tell me about yourself. The absolute first thing out of my mouth would be, Christina, I first want to say thank you for the opportunity to interview today. It's amazing to me. They did not have to select you. They probably had way more candidates that they could have interviewed than they have time for. They selected you. It is only appropriate to say thank you. Then I also say build into the end of your answer some type of transition statement. So now I've talked about my past, my present, my future, how I'm going to do the job, a little bit about my uniqueness, why I want the job. And then I've got a transition to the rest of the interview. And so I will say something like, I know you have some additional questions. I'm ready for them or I'm looking Mm. forward to them. And once again, Christina, thank you very much for the opportunity to interview. So now I'm letting you know I'm done with this answer because oftentimes that answer, the interviewers don't know what you're going to say. And if you just if you just stop and you're pausing to think. They're going to be a little reluctant to interrupt you. And so maybe there's a longer pause than you need. And so you don't want to have that. So you build a transition in. But the reason I tell people, practice your answer with a thank you at the beginning of the answer and a thank you at the end is, let's face it, this is the answer you're going to be most nervous for. You might, if you only plan on saying thank you once and you forget it, Oh my gosh, what a mistake you've made. So if you put it in the answer twice and you forget once, you'll probably say it once. If you say it twice, it's not too much because it is just that important. Yeah. So I see be memorable in a good way. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So stand right. out. Oh, the, the 50% of the future. So I would also think this is a great way for you to showcase that you've actually invested the time to learn more about the company and the position uh, so you can share how you're a good fit for it and alignment part of it. I love it. And, and, and I even tell people, use those words in your answer, say, I'm a good fit. I'm a good match, because those are, are the words that the interviewers use. Yeah, use their language. Absolutely nice. use their language. Yeah, I, I do. And the point that you just made, Christina, is so important that you not only do your research, but then you tell the interviewers through what the way you say it that you have done your research. It's one thing. It's one thing to do research. It's another thing to let the research help you get the job. So if I've done all my research on your podcast and I've, and I've listened to a lot of them, but I don't tell you somewhere in there. Well, Christina, I remember one time I listened to your podcast and you were talking to a gentleman, whatever. Now I've communicated to you that I've done my research. 
So yeah. doing it's one thing, using it in the interview to communicate to people what you know about the other person, how you're a good fit is also important. You know, my, oh, yeah. when I was a, I was a department head at a college and this is the interview that I used to do. I would say, Christina, we had, uh, I told you we were going to have 30 minutes for the interview today. I got busy and I did not come up with any questions. So please use the next 30 minutes, as many of them as you'd like, to tell me everything you want me to know about you to convince me to hire you. And I'd stop. Wow. Now, what does that, I know you know the answer to this, what does that require them to have done? They have to know everything they bring to the table in terms of skills and qualifications and everything else. And they've got to know what the job requires. And then it's a matter of them being able to say, I know you're looking for somebody who speaks well. Well, let me tell you how I've done that. I know you're looking for somebody who's got good analytical skills. Let me tell you how I've done. And so if they knew that if they had done the research and they had prepared their material, they should be able to match them up. Interestingly enough, People typically talked about three to four minutes and they were, then they stopped because they had no idea how to answer that question. And it just revealed to me, you didn't do your homework on yourself. You didn't do your homework yeah. on the company. And you're not a self-directed, motivated individual that I want working for me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, see, I mean, you know, I, I, I have a class also for interviewers. And what you just said was interviewers and what I heard you say, what I heard you say was interviewers and need to be a little bit more um, creative in their questions so that the answers they get reveal more. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I love it. Now, uh, there's another question that's uh, the awkward for me anyway, at least when I was in the long ago in a galaxy far away when (laughs) I was in that process. But it was always anything else you'd like to add. And so you're always wondering, well, are they tired? Do they want to finish up? Or should I say something here? What are your recommendations for that final question you usually get? And and you did characterize it the way I would. And that is the final question. That to me is the second most important question in the interview. You're asking great questions because I couldn't have told you uh, you know, ahead of time to ask me about the two most important questions. Uh, but, but you are my job as an interviewer. <laughs> exactly. The, 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 the end of the, you know, what, what I tell people to remember is, uh, go into a court of law with an attorney and they're now making the case. How many court cases are won by the attorney's opening statement? and or their closing statement. And, oh, yeah. and people would say, <laughs> I just heard something today uh, where they said 80% of the people on a jury make up their mind based on opening statements, which was just amazing to me. Well, yeah. let's take about that other 20%. I think that's the closing statement. Yep. <laughs> and then the cl- in the closing statement, what we absolutely have got to do is we've got to, uh, again, say thank you at the end of the interview. You want to hold that. Another thing you can do is say uh, you can repeat things that you said 
during the interview. So I, I call these reiterated statements. If there's something that I said that I think is my best stuff, these are my biggest selling points. I will remind you of those again at the end of the interview. And what that would mm. sound like is, Christina, as I said in my introduction, as or as I said in whatever answer, and then I'll repeat that. And that's just me telling you, this is so important. If you didn't get it, if you didn't really lock it in the first time, I want to make sure that you got it this time. And then there may be, there may have been something that came up in the interview that you want to capitalize. You know, Christina, there was one thing that you uh, said after one of my questions. And, and of course, you don't say this part. And of course, I didn't have a chance to say it at the time. You're saying, and I want to reply to that right now. Or, or I want to add something to the statement that you made. So now I'm piggybacking on one of your statements, which you will love. The fact that I liked it so much that I'm adding information. Of course. To it, that kind of, <laughs> you know, and so there's, there's a, a, any number of things that you can do at the end. The other most important thing is you should, everybody should walk into the interview with a list of must say items. Now a must say item is, these are my biggest selling points. I cannot rely on the interviewer to ask me all the right questions. You know, so many people walk out of an interview and they'll say, man, I forgot to say that. Or, boy, I wish they'd asked me this question because I had a great answer for that and something I really wanted me to, I really wanted to tell them. You can't rely on the interviewers. You have to walk in with a list. And I would say a list of three to four. Now, I've got these three to four great points about myself. I am looking for a great place to deliver those answers. So you may ask me a behavioral question. Craig, give me an example of a time you had a conflict with somebody, and that may say, oh, that's a good time for me to use must-say item number one. And so Mm. I'll say that first, then I'll answer your question. And then while you're writing your notes, I will cross that one off because I've got all these on a sheet of paper in front of me to make sure I don't forget them. At the end of the interview, when they say, Craig, do you have anything else you want to say? I look down at those must-say items. And if there are any left, that also becomes a part of my answer to that question. You know, Christina, there was one thing that I came in here wanting to make sure that I said, and it was. And then you give that also. And so you can see with those four or five things that I included there, your last answer can be a really healthy, bountiful answer. Lots of not just, you know, flimsy stuff that doesn't really say anything. You can really add a lot of great content in your closing statement. Oh, nice. Yep. The closing argument. That's what will make you memorable in a good way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Awesome. So, I mean, I know we could dive into this for hours. So for our listeners, they want to learn more about your products and services. Can you share a little bit about that? The where you can go to get now, let me say this, Christina, I I first designed the online course. So I've got an online course that's got 58 short videos. So it's about three hours long. 
I did that because uh, the students who walked out of the class found it beneficial, but we've got so many people out of work, I wanted to get the material to them. So I first designed the online course. From that came the book. They parallel each other. So whether you like to read or you like to listen to videos, you can get the content in either of those formats. The easiest way to uh, to get to those products and all the other videos that I have on YouTube and everything is to go to my blog, which is the word perspectives, P-E-R-S-P-E-C-T-I-V-E-S dot CraigDivizio.com. Awesome. We will make sure that gets in the episode description as well. Great. Okay. We're at that point where you offer your final piece of advice to our listeners. My final piece of advice is that the biggest mistake most people in interviewing make is lack of or inadequate preparation. Uh, there, most people wait until they have an interview scheduled. I would suggest that people set an artificial deadline for themselves and pretend like I've got an interview then and start preparing. Competition right now with so many people out of work is going to be greater than ever before. And so I want people to start preparing now. I don't want them to wait and then all of a sudden have the interview that could get them back to work. And now they're scrambling to get to get to get prepared. And they really had a lot of time that they could have used that they did not use. And in their preparation, in that particular area, the biggest mistake is not learning how to sell yourself. You've got to find that way where you promote yourself, but not cross that line uh, where you come across as arrogant, self-centered and conceited. So do your preparation, start now, and in particular, learn how to sell yourself well. Yeah. Oh, awesome advice. Thank you so much for joining us today, Craig. Christine, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to be on your podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Craig, visit his website at perspectives.craigdivisio.com. Interested in expanding your employee development program? Visit christinaeans.com to look at the many workshops Christina has available for you.